Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today, for this is why we've come. Dear Lord, we need a word from you. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Your word reminds us that heaven and earth will pass, but your word will forever last. God, we are ready for your word. Father, we pray now that our hearts would be receptive, that our ears would be cleared of any clutter and any noise from outside, that we would hear from you and be blessed by the hearing of your word so that we can be more than just hearers, that we would ultimately be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was October the 2nd, 2004. Laura Hatch, a 17-year-old young lady, left a party in a Seattle suburb never to make it home. Her family became worried, called the police, and then began to call around to neighbors and formed a search party, a team of 200 people who began to search the road between the party and her home and the surrounding areas. Day one, they found nothing. Day two, they found nothing. Day three, four, five, six, they found nothing. Day seven, they found nothing. This extensive search resulted in nothing but a fear that the worst had happened. As a matter of fact, her mother said they had given up ever finding her alive and they had already assumed and concluded and accepted in their hearts that she was dead. Shay Noor is the mother of one of Laura's friends. And her daughter, completely distraught over the loss of her friend, went to her mother, Shay, to find out what should we do, what can we do. And Shay told her daughter, all we can do is pray. There's nothing else we can do. We've looked everywhere. All we can do is pray. Shay reported that that night she had trouble sleeping without having a recurring dream. In this dream, she kept hearing the message, keep going, keep going. Keep looking, keep looking, keep going, keep going. And she said when she woke up that next day, October the 10th, eight days after Laura went missing, she thought to herself, let her speak to us. Let us hear. Nor said something drew her to stop at a particular place that they had simply gone past. She walked over and looked over a concrete barrier and more than 100 feet down, she saw the crumpled side of a 1996 Toyota that 
Laura had as a vehicle. They climbed down the steep embankment. Eight days after Laura disappeared and found Laura in the back of that car, still alive. She was suffering from severe dehydration. They rushed her to the medical center and she had a blood clot in her brain, broken ribs, a broken leg and facial lacerations. But doctors were amazed that she was able to survive eight days without food or water. Needless to say, when those volunteers heard the news, they shouted for joy because they had found somebody they looked so hard to find. And the reason they found her is because a friend, troubled by the Spirit of God, kept looking when others gave up. My brothers and sisters, I want you to know today that not unlike Laura, God has been searching for us. He has been looking. We used to sing a song some years ago that was melodically pleasant to the ears, but theologically incorrect. I cried and I cried until I found the Lord. I prayed and I prayed until I found the Lord as if God was lost. And the truth of the matter is God wasn't lost. We were lost. And he has already extended himself. The only thing he is doing is waiting for us to open our eyes and see him who has been with us our entire lives. Today, for a few moments, I want to finish the thought that we started last week. I want to talk to you from the thought, El Roi, the God who sees. El Roi, the God who sees. Our foundational text is Genesis chapter 16. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? Amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. What's amazing is when you look at the Bible, the compound names of God, who God is, is always revealed on the other side of people being in situations or circumstances when they have to see God in a new way. Andre Krauss said it like this, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. And today we have in our story a dark side and a bright side. The dark side is pictured by a woman named Hagar who was tormenting her mistress Sarai and Sarai who later mistreated Hagar. But in this story, we not only have a dark side, we have a bright side. Because the angel of the Lord communicated to Hagar in her wilderness experience. And my brothers and sisters, I want you to know, that's really the picture of life. We have a dark side and we have a bright side. The problem is too many of us focus on the dark side and ignore the bright side. We focus on the problems instead of our problem solver. We focus on the awfulness of people instead of the awesomeness of God. And so today I want you to see God in a whole new light. First thing we shared with you 
on last week, you need to realize God knows where you are and what you're going through. You need to realize God knows where you are and what you're going through. The Bible says Hagar ran away from her mistress. Genesis chapter 16, beginning at verse 1 through verse 6, tells us that Sarai created a problem when there wasn't a problem to create. God had made a promise to Abram and to Sarai. This is before their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah. And the Bible says God promised them a child of promise, and they would be the parents of many nations. But something happened. Ten years passed, and the promise that was at one time something that encouraged them now was something that said to them, God had forgotten about them. And Sarai decides she's going to take matters into her own hands. Let me just share this for somebody. You never get to where God wants you to be quicker when you come up with your own shortcut. Yeah, you, you've got to learn how to trust what God says. You've got to learn how to rest in what God says even when God takes longer than you think he should. Sarah goes in after 10 years. Promise has not been fulfilled. She's looking at herself in the natural, not looking at God in the supernatural. And she says, based on what I see in the natural, I'm looking in the mirror, I can't have any children. God must have meant something else. Abram, listen, I've got a young handmaid servant girl. I'm going to choose her to be my surrogate. You go in and sleep with her and have a baby with her. That'll be our child and that'll be the child of promise. And Abram had a choice. Abram had a choice. He could have said to his wife, Sarah, I hear you, but God is true to his word and we're going to wait on God. But instead, Abram says something like this. You sure? <laughs> you want me to sleep with this woman that's young enough to be my granddaughter and have a baby with her? Okay. <laughs> and the Bible says that union created the first scene of baby mama drama in the Bible. Hagar gets pregnant, and the Bible says she has contempt for Sarai. She torments Sarai. She teases Sarai because she got pregnant, and Sarai couldn't. And the Bible says in response to her tormenting Sarai, Sarai made life miserable. God did three things. He found her. He heard her, and he saw her. He found her. She was running away from her mistress, but she wasn't running to God. God found her. And the Bible says he heard her. In the first instance of gender reveal, God says to 
Hagar, you are going to have a boy, and his name is going to be Ishmael, which means God hears, because I have heard your cry. And then the Bible says he sees her. He sees her, not just with eyesight. No, there's a divine insight. He, he sees her. He, he feels her. He sees her. And my brothers and sisters, somebody in here, listen, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because God knows where you are and he knows what you're going through. He hears you and he sees you. And if nobody else gets you, God gets you. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize God is strong enough to bless you anywhere. God is strong enough to bless you anywhere. She's run away from the place where she tormented somebody else and where she has been mistreated. She runs away. As a matter of fact, the Bible really doesn't say she was mistreated. It says she felt that way. But Sarah made life harder for her. And God gives her a strange command. He says, return. Do an about face. Go back and submit yourself to the one you've been running away from. Now, now, please, I've been doing this long enough to know that sometimes people hear what they want to hear instead of what you said. So let me make sure somebody understands. I'm not saying if somebody is in a violent abusive relationship, they should go back. That's not what I said. Don't leave here saying that. I, I know how folk can be. I, I was preaching one time years ago, and uh, the title of my sermon was, What in Hell Do You Want? <laughs> title of my sermon. And I got the title from a very famous preacher from Houston, W. Leo Daniels. He preached a sermon, what in hell do you want? And the premise of the sermon was, if you determine to go to hell, what do you want when you get to hell? Because, you know, people would say, I'm going to hell. All my friends, we're going to hell together. We're going to have a big party in hell. And so the idea was, what does the Bible say about hell? And is hell really a place you want to be? So I'm preaching, man, I preached that sermon. What in hell do you want? Evangelistic message and everything. And everything is great. I sit down, and the lady gets up, and I was preaching for an annual day, and the lady got up. She said, Woo, Reverend Cofield, I just want to thank you for that sermon because I ain't going to never forget that sermon. What in the hell do you want? I ain't going to never forget that sermon. No! That's not what I said. Some of y'all get that on the way home. You still ain't got it. That's all right. I see the spirit. It's moving across the room. Somebody else is going to get it in a second. Here's my point. Look at the context. Hagar tormented Sarai. Sarai comes back hard against Hagar. And here's what God says. You got to go back to the place where you created the wrong that you're running away from. 
And you've got to humble yourself to the person you said in your mind you would never see again. Because sometimes the lesson that God wants to teach you is that he is strong enough to bless you wherever you are. You think folk got to get away from you or you have to get away from people. David says, I, the Lord can prepare a table before our very enemies. In the presence of our enemies, he can bless us. And sometimes you've got to learn how to celebrate what God can do in the very presence of your enemies. Matter of fact, can I tell you one more thing? Listen, sometimes we get in trouble in life trying to answer questions we shouldn't even be asking. Let me put a cord in the meeting park here. How can I make sure they don't get mad? How can I make sure they don't get angry? How can I make sure I don't hurt their feelings by doing what God is telling me to do? What you should be asking is, how can I make sure I glorify God? How can I make sure I honor God? How can I make sure God gets the glory? Because sometimes you're trying to appease enemies that deserve to get angry when God blesses you in their midst. I know I'm talking to somebody today. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you need to see God is the one who can supply whatever you need. You need to see God. I want you to circle that phrase after you fill in that blank. See God. Watch what the text says, verse 13. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. But watch how the verse ends. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? The word seen there can be used literally or figuratively, but it talks about and refer something appearing to you or the ability to discern or look upon something or look upon another. God showed himself as the one who sees. But watch this. God didn't just start seeing. She just realized God was seeing. So now she sees the one who's been seeing. Okay, some of y'all didn't get it. I know you didn't get it because you didn't shout right there. <laughs> Listen, it's one thing for God to see you, but it's something else for you to see that God sees you. You've got to learn how to recognize that God is who God is and God is doing what only God can do because until you recognize that God is who he is and God is doing what God can do, you will never be able to celebrate and appreciate who God is in your life. Yeah. 
she didn't see God for who he was until she got in the wilderness. It was in that painful place emotionally that she saw who God really was. I mean, think about it. She was living and serving in the house of promise. God had promised to bless that house, but she still had to see God for herself. Might want to throw this in parenthetically for somebody because you may have grown up in a really blessed house, a Christian house, with a mother who loved God, a father who loved God, a grandmother, grandfather who loved God, who honored God. But the question is, have you seen God for yourself? Some of y'all are here right now, and you have been making it on grandmama's prayers. Yeah, you've been making it on big mama's prayers, mud dear's prayers, big daddy's prayers, but have you seen God for yourself? She said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? You must see the one who sees you. And listen to me carefully. You have to see the one who sees you in order to obey the one that sees you. You can't obey who you don't see. When you celebrate the one who sees you, make sure you see him. See, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, my brothers and sisters, that we don't see him enough. And that's because we don't focus on him enough. I mean, we, we focus on the size of our problems instead of the size of our God. We focus on people and what they do instead of God's power and what he wants to do. We focus on the people that want to pull us down instead of praising the God who wants to lift us up. That's what we do. That's what we do. We focus on the negative instead of celebrating the positive. We focus on what people say instead of on what God has shown us. We worry about what's coming tomorrow instead of celebrating what God has done and recognizing that if God has already done it, he can do it again. He's the God who sees. But the question is, do you see him? It is said that we see the world through our own lens. And, and we focus on what we're passionate about. For example, if you're a farmer and you're traveling, you, you perk up when you get around some farmlands. If you love animals, when you get around animals, I don't care who the animals are or what animal it is, you, you perk up when you get around animals. Uh, if you're an architect, when you travel, you're looking at buildings away in a way that I don't look at buildings. You're looking at lines and designs and angles. If we're traveling and we come across some churches, I'm, I'm going to have an interest in, 
churches and design and structure that you probably won't have. I was on a trip not long ago, and there was a group of us who were hanging out, and we stumbled across this pharmacy. And we discovered that it was one of the oldest pharmacies in Europe. Now, I went in. I thought it was nice, cool, pharmacy. It's all right. But one of the people on the trip was a graduate of the TSU School of Pharmacy. And she's a practicing pharmacist. And so needless to say, she was so excited to go into this pharmacy that had been in operation for hundreds of years. The old wood desk and, and old bottles and, and medicines and things like that. And she was so excited. I said, just give me your, your phone. I'll just take pictures because you just, you just enjoy it. And she was just, I said, oh, my God, can you see? Oh, look at this. Look at that. I'm like, yeah, it's wonderful here. I'll take your pictures. Because it did nothing for me. But that was her focus. And that was her passion. So here's the question I want to ask you. What makes God look for us? What makes God see us? It's his love for you and me. It's his love. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 28, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. The Bible says in Psalm 33, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on earth. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, verse 21, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. The Bible says in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, all things, everything is possible. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 9, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I submit to you today, God sees you. And you ought to shout when you realize God sees you. Yeah, you ought to shout when you realize God sees you. God hears you. God knows where you are and what you're going through. But I believe you ought to shout even more when you finally see God for who God really is. Father, we thank you today for your word. And I thank you, God, that you are the God who sees and that you are the God who sees us. 
Somebody under the sound of my voice, God, needs to be reminded that because you see us, you're watching over us. You have your eyes on us. There's no place that we go, no words that we speak, no thoughts that we have that you are not aware of. God, when we pray and say, Lord, keep us from danger seen and unseen and watch over us, it's because we know you are the all-seeing God. We bless your name, Lord. We thank you. And help us, God, even when we're going through things in life, to look beyond the superficial, look beyond the surface, and see you over us, around us, under us, in front of us, behind us, Help us to see you navigating our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody who can and will, if you stand on your feet wherever you are.